0: Good afternoon, my name is Naomi Murney, and you're listening to the COVID Campus Chronicles on CKUT 90.3 FM. Today's episode will be the final episode in a three-part series on the student experience with isolation, conducted through interviews that tackle the subjects of relationships, mental health, and unlikely connections during the time of confinement. In our final episode, I'll be airing two interviews from two students one based in Montreal and the other in Rhode Island, will be talking about their experiences entering and exiting the school system respectively in the midst of COVID-19. Our first interviewee entered McGill as a first year in 2020, while the latter just graduated from Brown University. They discuss mental health, meeting new people versus the strains of well-established friendships and what it means to grow up, experiencing some of life's most monumental moments online. You can listen to the first two episodes of this series on the CKUT website. This is The COVID Campus Chronicles, Episode 3, As One Door Closes.
1: romances. How am I supposed to pretend? I never want to see you again. How am I
2: supposed to pretend? I never want to see you again. Okay, so my name is Ava. I use she her pronouns and I'm at McGill University majoring in pharmacology and minoring in English literature.
0: Awesome. So this is an episode about isolation and isolation is kind of a general term but when talking about isolation, I'm referring to a period of time during COVID-19 within this past academic year when you've been forced to isolate yourself or keep in limited contact with other people for a period of time. Do you feel as if you've had moments of isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic? If yes, when and for how long? And if no, why not?
2: Well, from the very beginning, when it first started in March 2020, obviously everyone was Feeling isolated because for the first time, we couldn't really go out and see our friends on a regular basis or go to school. And that was that was a bit of an adjustment, but I didn't feel too isolated at that point because we were all kind of in it together. And it felt more you it actually felt uniting in a way, which is a little weird, but, I, yeah, I didn't feel too alone at that period because of the fact that everyone was going through it at the same time and experiencing this for probably the first time in their lives. I think when I got to McGill at the beginning of September last year was kind of when I had a major bout of loneliness because a lot of I was staying in residence and a lot of the people who were in my residence tended to gather in big groups in each other's rooms and I wasn't comfortable with that because I still knew the threat that COVID posed even though it didn't seem to be affecting students in residence that much. So I mostly kept, not even to say kept to myself, but I hung out with people in smaller groups and outside residents to lower the risk of my catching COVID. Whereas a lot of people I knew would gather in larger groups and throw parties in residence. and I just wasn't comfortable with that. As a result, I didn't end up making as many friends as I could have in my residence. And most of my friends were outside res. And then when the curfew rolled around, they imposed a curfew in Montreal, in the Montreal area in January when that rolled around and I couldn't, and I couldn't go well, past eight o'clock. the nights got pretty lonely, to be honest, because I was limited to the few friends I had in my residence who more often than not were doing things. And yeah, it was a little bit difficult, but it forced me to branch out a bit and try and be more outgoing and find my people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. Could you maybe talk a little bit about kind
0: of what that process of branching out was like? Do you feel like your kind of isolation forced you to talk to more people?
2: Well, my isolation did. For the reason that it existed, my isolation forced me to find people whose values aligned with mine better, both in terms of treating the pandemic as the pandemic that it is. And just values in in the moral sense. So in the process of that, I went through a lot of people. But I ended up finding some people who are really truly click with. And both in a moral sense. And we both kind of have the same stance in the pandemic. And we feel comfortable with going out to different places. To similar places. Whereas other places will be like, oh, I'm not too comfortable with that yet. Yeah. So it's good. It's helped me to find people that are almost easier to hang out with.
0: Yeah, that's that's understandable. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what the process of meeting people was like? Like how did you go about meeting people and making friends while you were in residence and sort of isolated in your room, I assume?
2: I think what really helped was that the dining was that I had a dining hall in my building. It was just downstairs and it was the main dining hall for at least two, like two or three of the residences for most of the year. So my residents and usually two others would come to our building to get their food, which was good. It allowed me to meet people from my building who I could hang out with after hours, after curfew, without having to leave the building as well as people from other buildings who, you know, I would just start up a, a little bit of small talk with them and they would be like, Hey, you seem cool. Let's hang out some time. And then we'd follow each other on Instagram and the rest was history type of thing. I think classes also helped too. I tried to keep my camera on in class because it helped me to stay engaged. And then people would find me on social media and be like, Hey, you're the girl who always has her camera on. Wanna, you seem cool. I know you're in residence. Wanna hang out sometime. So not even to say it was a risk putting myself out like that on Zoom and in classes, because I really was just comfortable having my camera on. But I think it was a, one of the most important things I did.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it also sounds to me like you're a fairly kind of outgoing person. Do you feel like that helped? Or I don't know, kind of like the keeping your camera on and talking to people in the lunchroom do you know if maybe you would have been more challenged if you were more introverted or something of the sort?
2: Oh yeah. If I was more introverted, I definitely would have had more troubles with it. And I used to be pre high school in elementary school. I was pretty introverted, but high school kind of brought me out of my shell a bit, which I'm glad it did because if I was not as social and not as outgoing when this pandemic happened, then who knows where I would be at this point. Who knows what my mental health has gone through in the last year?
0: <laughs> for for sure, um, you talked a little bit about going through people and trying to find people whose values kind of aligned with yours. How how did you go about doing that, or do you know if maybe the kind of pandemic streamlined the process of friendship or something of the sort? I don't know. What what do you think?
2: I think for me. Yeah, the pandemic did definitely help with streamlining my process of finding good because it often started on social media, right? Like Instagram most of the time, sometimes Snapchat if it got to that point. And I could see what people's lives were like before COVID and how they reacted when certain events happened, like when different things with the Black Lives Matter movement or with a lot of the xenophobic and a lot of those events were happening. I could see how people reacted and whether they were just performative about them or if they truly cared about them.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's really interesting. So you also spoke a little bit earlier about how, especially during January and the months where there was that 8 PM curfew in Montreal, um, the nights were quite lonely because you only had access to folks in your residence. Um, it, it, were there other ways or, or maybe, I don't know, did, did that loneliness affect your mental health um, or maybe your productivity in school? And
2: if so, how? It definitely affected my mental health in the FOMO aspect, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. And oftentimes I would see what people in my residence were doing on social media. And it's all things that I wish I could be a part of. But in a pandemic, I know it's just not realistic or safe. Or something that I want to be doing. So I saw these things and it kind of threw a wrench into me, but, but I knew that I was doing the right thing and staying out of it. But I think it did things for my productivity because if I couldn't go out at night, I may as well, or hang out with friends at night, I may as well be productive, right? So I would try and go out during the day more and work at night. Which was good because I'm not usually I'm very much on a circadian rhythm usually where I'll be up during the day but then when it's dark I go to bed like I'm not one of those people who stayed up during until 5 a.m. a lot and so it helped me to kind of plan out my day better I would say okay I'm going to go out with this person from this residence during the day and then have dinner and then I'm going to work on this lab report during the night so it was actually pretty good in terms of my productivity like I think I have become more flexible in that way.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's really interesting. So you're kind of talking about how structuring your day provided you with a sense of kind of um, like m- meaning throughout the day. Yeah, provided me with a sense of normalcy. I think. I see. Yeah. Were there? Do you feel like there were other support systems provided by McGill or by the city of Montreal for maybe students who are sort of struggling?
2: Yeah, I know. Um, I think it's called Campus Life and Engagement Play. They tried to plan events during the year for people from, who were doing school remotely for the year and people who were in Montreal to help us all connect. And they were all online events, but they were little icebreaker events. And I did meet some people during those events that I clicked with and have hung out with a few times, oh, which was nice. McGill has definitely tried their best. And in some cases it hasn't always been successful, but I think they did do pretty good given the circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, that's a refreshing opinion to hear. I feel like a lot of the folks I talked to are like, I didn't know what resources were available to me, But um, yeah, I, I think there's two like two sides to that coin. Um, but you also talked about, uh, you, you spoke just a little bit about meeting people through these kind of online events. Um, do you feel that you're able to forge real relationships with people virtually um or did you feel that maybe meeting those people and then meeting them in person didn't necessarily go anywhere
2: see normally i think before the pandemic started i would have said no and it's hard to forge true friendships over online platforms but the pandemic has changed me like And the very beginning, well, the first few months of COVID, when this was after I'd been accepted to McGill, and I joined the entering class group chat on Facebook and a guy posted something on Facebook and he was like, Hey, there's not a group chat for first years going into science. So if whoever wants to be in that group chat, please like drop your username and I'll add to group chat, big Facebook messenger group chat for a while. And then eventually it got whittled down to a few people who wanted to join an iMessage group chat. And then we ended up joining a Discord. So now there's about 20 of us, like 19 of us, who are in a Discord chat or not a chat, what are they called? A Discord server. And we've talked about so much and we've, I think they've really helped me through the pandemic as well because they're all facing the same thing. And a few of them were in Montreal through the year as well. So I was able to hang out with them. But most of them were remote and from beyond just Canada and the U S like I have a couple of friends from Morocco, Korea, Iran, which was really cool. And I've never obviously had friends from those areas before the pandemic. So, and it's so weird because through talking with them, we would talk about pandemic related things and then things that related not to the pandemic and school. And it's so weird how huh? I haven't met most of these people, but you know, I video chatted with them. I've gamed with them online and I feel like, and we're already planning to hang out in August when we're all here. And it's just so cool that that's been able to happen over because of a pandemic. Like if it wasn't for COVID, that, that wouldn't have happened. And I wouldn't have met all these fantastic people.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's, that's interesting because uh, that's kind of like one of the upsides of COVID and virtual events is that it allows for a larger kind of international community of students
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I'm sure would have been at McGill anyway, but it like allows for I guess easier access to to people. Um, I don't know, but it, w- w- would you feel uh, kind of like in, in what way? In what other ways have your relationships
2: grown, changed, or adapted during COVID? I think I've come to know kind of who my true friends are. Even my friends from high school, like I would stay in contact with those who mattered to me and people who I mattered to them, they would bother to stay in contact with me. And if it wasn't reciprocated or even one-sided at all, we just haven't really talked in a year and we're not really friends anymore. And thinking that they really are the people who I probably wouldn't become friends with now if they were presented to me at McGill. And it's more just people I was friends with for convenience in middle, in high school because like my best friends were friends with them. So I was like, okay, I should be friends with them too. But I think the good thing about cultivating friendships during COVID is that it forces you to really choose who you want to be friends with and who's good for you in your life. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a very intelligent thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you talk a little bit about uh, your kind of friends from high school so when you arrived at McGill, you already had some pre-existing connections, you know, friendships, mm. family, et cetera. Um, how did you maintain connection? What, what were some of the ways that you tried to keep that kind of
2: relationship alive? Well, obviously, from the beginning of COVID, it became more normalized to use platforms like Zoom and FaceTime and even just. Yeah, platforms like that to stay in contact whether it's just talking once a week or you know joining a group voice call or something to play games and I think that's been that's been one of the good things about COVID is that it's normalized and improved that technology more so I've stayed in contact with friends and family through that and you know sending memes on Instagram and type of thing that's been great for staying in contact with friends and family from home and making sure I don't go crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you, do you maybe feel uh, kind of that your relationships have changed now that maybe you've had the chance if you, if you have, and maybe, I don't know, you haven't to see those same old friends or kind of old people who, who you tried to maintain sort of internet connection with and now seeing them again, do you feel as if something has
2: changed? With my best friends, No, like I have two girls, two girls who live on my street who are my best friends in the world and things have not changed with them at all. Like we've grown a little bit in different directions since we're all at different universities and we all have like different little groups of friends now, but at the core, we are still good friends and we can talk to each other about anything. Whereas people I'm not so close with, things have changed by varying degrees. And sometimes it's not too noticeable where I can just, where we can get along like we did before the pandemic, or sometimes it's to the point where we've just grown so far different that I can have a civil conversation with them and chat along with them. But it's not one of those things where I would invite them over or invite them to go hang out.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like maybe there's some relationships that kind of lack a certain fulfillment that you now know to look for in your essential relationships. Mm -hmm. So kind of uh, going away from this and maybe going back to the discussion of virtual platforms, um, McGill was online for the whole year, like virtual Mm -hmm. classrooms predominantly. Um, For you, did virtual classrooms make the learning
2: process easier or harder? It definitely did complicate it because I'm one of those people who likes to be present and it was just so much harder to be present when there's nothing really there's no reward for keeping your attention span like everything's online you can just like you can watch the video or hear the lecture later if you feel like it or you know during exams there's especially because McGill didn't proctor exams there's really no way to stop you from cheating and no way to kind of motivate you to do well at this point whereas in person classes there was that where Even for, take example, I had, I took physics both terms, but I had to, unfortunately, (laughs) and it was just so hard to pay attention in those classes because I didn't like the content. I didn't find it interesting. It was kind of difficult. And it was just so hard to pay attention and keep myself from not scrolling through TikTok. Whereas if the classes were in person, I would feel the professor notice me drifting off if I was drifting off. And that would kind of motivate me to pay attention and to take good notes but yeah it definitely has been a lot harder because of the online platform and I'm a lot online platform and I'm, and I'm looking forward to going back in person as much as we can this year.
0: Yeah. No definitely. Um so just to take the example of your physics class where it seems like you struggled a little bit which t- totally understandable like physics was really hard. Um and I'm an English major so you know. <laughs> Uh, but so if you wanted to maybe connect with classmates or uh, kind of talk to your professor or TA, uh, h- how did you go about doing that? Were there Did you feel as if there were ways to do that naturally or um, was that kind of out
2: of the question? Thankfully, most of my profs accounted for that this year. They would have periods. Most of them, almost all of them had office hours. And in addition to that, they would have periods after class where they would say, okay, I have an hour until whatever I have to leave. So you can stay after class and ask me questions if you want. Thankfully, my physics professors were good with that. So if there was something I didn't particularly understand, I could just stay after, raise my hand and they would call on me and I would go through what I found difficult in that lesson. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like there was some sort of adaptability on the part of professors. Um, What about connecting with classmates? Uh, Was that something that really happened or um did, it kind of sounds like it kind of happened naturally by virtue of you being you know very in, engaged in the class
2: yeah so i think my engagement in most of my classes helped me to connect with students like if someone said something funny in class for instance i would private message them on zoom and be like haha that was funny or like how you said that not in a not in not in a discussion board type of way but just more of like a casual, Hey, that was nice. I liked what you said there. Like that was cool. And I think from there that kind of formed the bare bones of connections. And even like, I'm a frosh leader for the upcoming frosh in August for science frosh. And there's quite a few people that I know who I've obviously haven't met in person, but I've seen them in class. I've maybe even talked to them briefly. So their names are familiar. And when we go to do training, I'll be like, Hey, you're a familiar face.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's, you, I, I get what you mean <laughs> it's funny how inarticulate I am for somebody who literally does writing and speaking for a living <laughs> but yeah no that's understandable you you mentioned something like uh that reaching out to someone uh constitutes the the bare bones of a relationship um so what <laughs> what creates kind of the meat of the relationship how do you build on uh just like reaching out and just a comment or something of the sort
2: I think once you start with the bare bones of that like reaching out on a zoom or something if you end up finding each other on social media then you can start a conversation with them and be like hi I'm the person who said this during this class and then you can kind of start a conversation from there and if you seem to click then you know you if you're if they happen to be in the same in this similar area that you you can plan to hang out with them or even just talk to them consistently. And then by the time we end up in Montreal together, then, hey, you found a friend and you can say, hey, I'm in Montreal now. Want to come do something with me and like go see the city a little bit? So it's good. It's really just this simple thing building on that and making sure you click. I guess this is kind of maybe a, a more niche question,
0: but you, it, it sounds to me like if you're in class and somebody said something funny, you would have messaged them. Or like if you bump into somebody in the cafeteria and you like their outfit, or it, it, it's like you take all you can get. <laughs> you take all you can get and like all the chances you can get to meet new people and like kind of forge friendship in the,
2: <laughs> with the crumbs of interactions. That's, um, that's really what it is. And I think even... Well, like I said, I may be Canadian, unlike a lot of people coming to McGill, but I am still moving to a new whole new city, a whole new province, you know, starting a whole new phase of my life. And I'm essentially no, no one in that phase of my life. So I'm trying to build a bare bones of who's going to support me, who's going to be my, who am I going to hang out with? Who's going to, who am I going to room with next year? And all this is so unknown at this point. So and that would have happened regardless of whether or not we were in a pandemic or not. So I would have still been taking every little opportunity to go meet people and go out and try and find who my people are in this new phase of my life. Yeah, And just COVID has kind of, COVID has enabled that a little more than I think it would have happened in normal circumstances.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting. So uh, COVID has maybe kind of like <laughs> I don't want to say made people desperate for friendship but it's kind of forced people to be more proactive about no yeah but it almost friends. has yeah yeah no that's definitely interesting um I guess uh, uh, another question I had was um how do you feel the city of Montreal
2: changed or responded to COVID I can't talk too much about fall term because although I was there during fall I wasn't super present at that point to be honest like my mental health wasn't doing too well at that point during the winter was when in January was when they introduced the curfew the APM curfew which it was eventually 9 30 and a lot of people were annoyed at it at first and I understand especially people our age but it really did make sense why they put it in place because the group of because the age demographic that was spreading COVID the most was young adults like 18 to 24s and when 18 to 24s go out the most at night so if you limit that then there's ultimately less socialization among that age demographic and less chance of spreading COVID so yes it was annoying but for me who and like I said it was a little hard for me at that point but I understood why they put it in place and I just followed the rules and you know what I think it really was beneficial I'm glad they did it Francois go. the premier hasn't done isn't always the smartest government leader, but I think he made a right decision on that
0: one. You also mentioned just now kind of not feeling super or being super present during the fall semester uh, due, due to mental health. Could you maybe explain what you mean when you say that you like weren't super present, but like disassociation or <laughs> I don't know.
2: I guess it was like in the winter term was when I started to make more friends, like a few, a few of my friends from that discord chat had moved to Montreal. So I was able to see them during the day and hang out with them and really connect with them, but they weren't there in the fall semester. And, you know, it was still the whole, I'm in a new city. I'm in a new province. I'm adjusting to starting university. Like there was just so much going on at that point that I was feeling quite overwhelmed at a lot of points. And it was just kind of hard to keep up. Like you could tell by my GPA, my GPA there wasn't a huge difference between fall and winter, but you can definitely tell that my mental health got better into the winter term.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and uh, kind of, what what did you do when you felt like you were kind of out of it, or when you were overwhelmed with all of the new aspects of your life? What you know, were there any sort of grounding techniques that you used?
2: For me, it's mostly just about talking it out. So a lot of the time I would text or call my mom because, you know, she is one of the most central figures in my life and my best friends from home who were often up late at night doing work. So I would call one of them and just like sit on FaceTime. And even we didn't even necessarily have to talk like we would sit there and do work together and chat occasionally. And that was really good because it reminded me that, yeah, life is hard sometimes and you know, it can be hard to find your crowd in this whole new phase of your life, but there are always people who are there who are going to support you even from far away.
0: Yeah, that's, that's definitely kind of a a good, (laughs) a good way to remind yourself of that. Um, you, you also talk about finding your crowd and like dealing with workload and new city and extracurriculars. Um, obviously this isn't the first year experience that any any of us wanted or expected, but uh, in in what ways do you feel, I don't know, do you feel as if you lost kind of the traditional first year experience or maybe rather gained new aspects? Uh, kind of what were, I, I don't know, <laughs> what are your thoughts? That's not a very well-formed question, but- I understand what you, what you
2: mean. Yeah. Um, well. It definitely wasn't the traditional first year, you know, from the very beginning of like frosh and, you know, having roommates in residence and being able to go out to bars and things because the drinking age is 18 in Montreal. There was a lot that was taken from us in this first year, this very unorthodox first year. But I think it's been, it's been an oddly good year. Like I said, it's helped me to find. Not just frivolous friends, but people I can truly connect with in Montreal, even if it's just for like a good time, not necessarily, you know, a lifelong friend, like just people who I can generally agree with on values and enjoy being with for periods of time and not having to fake it. Like that's been the best thing is that COVID has forced me to be real about my values and my morals and find people who reflect those. Yeah.
0: No, definitely. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the people who I've spoken with have said sort of similar things, and that COVID has allowed them to evaluate the the people they are individually, but also the people they surround themselves with. So, mm. I feel like that's definitely a pretty pretty universal idea. Um, I guess my my last question is, what brought you joy during isolation? or um, what were ways of connecting with people that you loved or enjoyed during isolation if
2: there were? Not to say what brought this brought me joy, but I guess what kind of brought me peace through the whole pandemic is that we're all in this together. We're all, nearly everyone on earth is facing this for the first time, unless you happen to be alive at the very beginning of the 20th century when, you know, there was the Spanish flu, which not a lot of people were, but, for the most part, we're all experiencing this for the first time. We're all, and everyone attending the Guild this year was facing the same, you know, fear of the unknown. And what is my first year going to be like? And, oh shit, it's not going to be traditional. Like, how is this going to look in 20 years when I tell my kids about it? Like, we're all going through the same thing. And I guess, I think that's what brought peace. And as for joy, like I said, I've been talking about this the whole time, but just finding people who truly are meant to be in your life because thankfully being in Montreal and especially over the last, like the last few months I was there, I was able to really get out and try my best and really make new friends. And even through all of that, I've found some, I've found some people that I would hang out with on occasion, but wouldn't really consider close. I've found people who are close friends and I've found people that I could even consider lifelong friends potentially. And that's kind of the beauty of it is that just, there's so much unknown, but we're all going through it together.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like a, a silver lining. Um, and but building off of maybe what brought you joy during isolation or what you learned, um, w- what did you learn or maybe gain from time spent uh,
2: on your own, like just you and with yourself? I think what I've learned the most is my time is valuable, both in terms of hanging out with people and just being productive on my own. In terms of people, like I said, and I've spoken on it time and time again in this interview, the people who want to be in your life will find a way to be in your life and to make themselves present in your life and vice versa. If you want to be part of someone else's life, you'll put out that effort to do that. And if someone's not reaching out to you, it's time. And just because people aren't reaching out doesn't mean they don't want to. But for the most part, they'll find ways to show that they're thinking about you. And if they don't, then chances are you just aren't that important in their life. And it's a bit of a hard pill to swallow sometimes, but in terms of just being productive, I've realized there's so much time in a day. There's so much time in a day and there's so much you can do. And a lot of the times it's just not worth it to to let one little thing ruin your day. Like I've learned a lot through this pandemic to focus on the good things and the little things in life that are keeping
1: me afloat. We stay up late. Listening to John and you, we go to bed. And you clean up this empty room, empty room. But if you wanna get me back, or if you wanna get me back, we we'll stay off late. They say, love and do the rain. They say, love me through the pain. They say anything they want us to, want us to. And I know that it's hard for you, darling. So focus up, oh darling, focus up. And I know that it's scary, but yeah, that's just growing up. Oh, that's just growing up. And you're so. I know that each heart for you, darling. So focus up, oh darling, focus up. We stay up late like an old couple. In So focus up, oh darling, focus up And I know that it's scary But yeah that's just growing up Oh that's just growing up And you're so helpless I just focus You've got what you want And I know that each hard for you darling So focus up Oh darling focus up Darling, I said right, baby, I got it, baby, I got it Darling, I said right, baby, I got it, baby, I got it
0: That was a quick musical break with the song Changes by the Toronto-based student band The Neighborhood Watch. Once again, that was Changes by The Neighborhood Watch. Coming up next, an interview with Brown University graduate and my friend Grisha Barboy, discussing his experiences moving on to adulthood and leaving college during the pandemic.
3: Just graduated from Brown.
0: Um, so, first of all, amazing. Congrats on graduating. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, this is an episode about isolation, which is kind of a general term, but when talking about isolation, I'm referring to a period of time during COVID-19 in this past academic year when you've been forced to isolate yourself or keep in limited contact with other people for a period of time. Do you feel as if you've had moments of isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic? If yes, when and for how long? And if no, why not?
3: Um, really definitely. I think well I, I felt it right at the beginning when we had to leave um, and we ended up at home uh, and that was definitely an adaptation. And also for, for the rest of the because I was lucky enough to live with friends. Um, But at the very end, it started like the the idea that I'm living with the same group of people started catching up to me for sure.
0: Could you maybe expand a little bit or talk about why it became difficult to kind of live with the same group of people?
3: Um, Yeah, I I think a part of it was, you know, Correlated with graduation and the fact that, like, everything was ending and you're sort of uh, in a position where you realize that there's there's a large volume of people that you just haven't interacted with that you technically still go to school with, but, you know, are, are now not going to school with. Um, and a part of it, I think, is just, I don't know, like for, for me personally, I think I require like meeting some new people. Every once in a while, and in that time period, like started running out by the end of my school year. I um, <clears throat> something like that.
1: I
0: see. So, uh, kind of just to clarify, you're talking about isolation. You, you say the start of it. Um, a lot of our listeners are Canadian. Some of the people I interview are from kind of all over. Could you talk a little bit more specifically about the, the period of time? Um when you feel as if you were isolating
3: oh okay, yeah, so um f- f- for us, I think we got moved out in the middle of March uh very abruptly uh and so that happened right in the middle of my junior year of college uh and like the not the- the middle of my second semester of my junior year of college and then up until the summer, so that was, we, we got moved out in mid-March and then our semester ended in May. So for those two and a half-ish months, yeah, March, March to June, which is a little more than two and a half, I guess, I lived at home after, you know, having a fairly normal, like, again, socially active college life. Uh, and, and that transition was, it was a little rough at first. It felt like a, a little vacation, but then, within you know, it, it got very monotonous. And definitely felt isolated.
0: Yeah. Uh, and kind of y- you talk about being isolated, and your junior year, sort of cutting off. Uh, could you talk about maybe the ways in which you feel your mental health was affected by this sort of sudden isolation?
3: um so the yeah sure so i i personally have been coming over certain productivity issues i have that tend to correlate with my mental health and one of the things that i find is that when i'm at home it is fairly difficult for me to get work done um in part because i come home sort of usually during vacations. So it correlates to me as this time off where I shouldn't do anything. Uh, but, but in part because it's just not the environment that I usually am productive within. Um, so in that sense, I was still trying to do schoolwork um, while not having like the normal things that feed, feed like supp- supply school with like uh, social a social booster uh and that ended up being a, a little harder than i expected i think in the moment i thought it was pretty fine but looking back at it i was like i don't know <laughs> this is kind of a rough time uh
0: yeah no that's just so, sorry go
3: ahead my bad uh so i think that part was a little rough um i also do realize that i was in a fairly fortunate situation at that time because uh, our house is structured in a way where you cannot run into people that often. It's like kind of. Uh, so we could divide ourselves on this long hallway without like bumping into each other all that often, which helped. Um, but yeah, definitely not having like the social booster activities of college. It made it harder to do the work part of it.
0: No, that's that's definitely understandable. And I feel like I hear that from a lot of students. Um, I think one thing that's particularly interesting is a lot of the people I interview are first years. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the experience is trying to connect with new people. But it seems like you already had some sort of an established, or like I'm assuming based on the fact that you've been at college for a, a period of time before isolation, you had certain established friends or relationships that were kind of cut off um, and how did you go about trying to maintain uh, those connections?
3: Uh, Sorry, got cut out for a second. How did I go about what?
0: Sorry, Uh, (laughs) that's so ironic. How did you go about maintaining those connections?
3: (laughs) (laughs) The irony is real. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, I guess for one of the things that actually this is going to be not a great thing to say, one of the things I actually liked about the pandemic is that for some of them, I just didn't. Um, and sort of there, there are some friendships that I had that were very nice and very enjoyable. But when, when I had to choose who I spend time with uh, and then the pandemic started, they just kind of fell through. Uh, which never really felt like a bad thing because I still stayed in touch with my like group of, I don't know, five to six very close friends. Um, In some ways this prom took care of itself because we decided to get off campus housing. So starting from June, we just all moved into a house together and I had contact with my roommates as those were not like very close friends of mine at the beginning of the pandemic but we we got along fairly well and got pretty close by the end of the school year Uh, and then my friends who I was very close with ended up living across like a two-minute walk from us and so there is a house of four people that I spent a lot of time hanging out with and then those were the four people I needed in my life to sort of feed the social part of my college experience. Um, but definitely some things fell through. I had just started being in a mariachi band, I think, at the beginning of sophomore year. So that just ended. And I never really did get to see people from there. We rehearsed a couple of times outside, but it didn't really pick up into anything, anything that great.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely understandable. Did you, um, so it's actually not that bad. <laughs> you said that it was a bad thing to say, but it's not that bad of a thing to say and that you didn't, you kind of stopped maintaining certain relationships while uh, assigning kind of more value and time to others do you feel that there are ways in which your relationships maybe adapted or changed due to COVID?
3: I mean, so w- one of the biggest ways that I-, I saw my relationship change is that I was I was forced to live with my roommates, who at the time I didn't know too well, and we sort of completely restructured our community because. You know, we were all we really had. Uh, And that was like a pretty interesting psychological experience where we didn't really know each other. Um, We also had this weird thing where we were all roommates because we were friends with this one kid who was like kind of our connecting social hub. But he was in Macedonia for the first semester. Uh, So we were all transitive friends in a way and yeah we, we, we came up with all these like weird rituals and traditions of how we did our shopping and we like cook, cook meals together every night together um but Good. but you know when we started doing that we were doing this with people who didn't really know all that well um and so that entire social dynamic was was very new and kind of in a way artificially formulated by the pandemic could uh,
0: could you tell me about one of these rituals like could you explain what the grocery shopping ritual was
3: yeah so at first we were at, at first so at first I was a, one, one dude because um, no, no one else came in and so every day at 5 I like knock on his door when I heard from door um, work day was over because we are working remote internships. And I was like, what are we eating for dinner? And then we'd both get very anxious because we don't really know each other. And we were like, ah, we don't. We have to not starve, but also interact socially with this person. I don't really know that well. Uh, After two weeks of that, when our third roommate came, we put it into it and they started, um, they they imported a large amount of cookbooks. And we'd like sit down on, I think, Monday or Sunday, I think the day changed, and plan exactly what we're gonna eat for dinner every day of the week, and then go to the supermarket and get exactly that, <clears throat> and we try to like get through the supermarket as fast as possible. Uh, like I don't know, we came up with like little games of trying to minimize how long it takes for you to get through the supermarket. Um, it wasn't a particularly I don't think any of us really enjoyed spending time there. Um, stuff like that. I, mean, I think c- cooking dinner was a big ritual. Um,
0: yeah.
3: We had do a Google f- Home. Oh, sorry.
0: No, go ahead. I'm more into- Go
2: ahead, go ahead.
3: Uh, we had a Google Home that we programmed to give us like very, very corny reminders at every, every sort of part of the day when we had to do something. So it's say a thing with like pants on um, and it would frustrate everyone, but it was funny, so we kept it. Um, we had an yeah. alarm at 2.33 that just said one kid's name.
0: <laughs> Those are all very nerdy things, <laughs> but they're very funny. Do you feel as if that was kind of a friendship of circumstance or? More so, do you feel that COVID or sort of uh, being isolated or confined to a certain group of people forced you guys to adapt?
3: Yeah, I definitely think it was a friendship of circumstance. I think, you know, there are definitely people I enjoyed being friends with. In a way, the fact that we all had this one mutual friend sort of allowed this to happen. I don't think we could have just been as cohesive with each other if we didn't know each other. If we if like we're complete strangers. Um, we, we had like a similarity. Um in, in part this absent friend was kind of like this I don't know like like a, a unifying symbol like we talk about as absence. Is kind of culty really. Um, <clears throat> but but then I think yeah, we somehow managed to, like, I definitely didn't need need to cook a home-cooked meal every day, but I think, you know, for the people who sort of initiated that idea that it's like what they need, and we somehow managed to fulfill each other's needs, um, and yeah. so it kind of worked out.
0: So it sounds like that was kind of a way of grounding and supporting one another. Do you feel as if there were um, support systems in place provided by Brown or maybe by the town of Providence for kind of students who were suffering during isolation in some way or another?
3: Um, I feel like our psychological services still worked. I don't know how great of a support system that is for, um, for like long-term mental health support. Um, but those systems were definitely active, not always in ways that I appreciated. Um, for example, for a while, you could only, because of the way that like, insurance and medical funding worked for us, you could only call into psychological service if you were in Providence. Uh, which was funny because most of the people who felt isolated and torn away from their environment felt that way because they were not in Providence. Um, Mm -hmm. I I feel like I I personally was not too aware of the support systems offered by the university, but it it also might very well be because I I had support systems elsewhere, so I didn't really – feel the need to go and seek them out from my yeah. university. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We had, we had cute bears on the informatics. That was kind of nice. <laughs> they had a very like consistent COVID advertising theme. Looked like it was all done by one artist. And this is kind of comforting. We got socks.
0: That's nice. That's also a little sad.
3: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> And, and what w- 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 particularly <laughs> makes it sad?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Just the, just the notion of, uh, like, well, we didn't have a very strong support system, but there was one artist who drew all the bears on the COVID information.
3: <laughs> I'm sure that was a support system for the artist, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit about doing virtual internships. When, uh, kind of, uh, how did Brown uh, adapt to COVID? Did you folks have online classes, or what? What did it look like?
3: We had online classes. I think definitely starting with the second semester. I don't know if this was the case for the first, but after a while, small classes were allowed to meet in purpose under like a socially distanced mask condition. But yeah, I ended up only having one one sort of hybrid model in-person class. And that was at the start of my second semester. But everything that could be online was online. In some classes that didn't have to be online stayed online for accessibility reasons. Like I was taking a, a musicology class and the professor opted to keep the class online even though it was small enough to meet in person because... It would allow students from other countries to, to join via Zoom. Um, I really think the faculty was pretty good about being supportive of COVID. Um, but it was sort of done on an individual basis.
0: Yeah, so um, it kind of sounds like there were both pros and cons to virtual classrooms Um, But did virtual classrooms make the learning process easier or harder for you, especially as somebody who had already done kind of in-person classes for a while?
3: I I enjoyed distance learning. Um, I I kind of, I struggled to get up in the morning. So the kind of notion that you could roll out of bed and um, one second, sorry. um yeah like the ability to roll out of bed and straight into class was nice and then the ability to not even go to class at the a.m that it was but as like a lecture recording was kind of nice even though i feel like the professors also felt a certain isolation from their classes so that was not a great thing to do but you know yeah uh,
0: do you feel as if you had the chance to maybe Connect with classmates, and if not, were there ways of connecting or talking to classmates that you kind of discovered throughout the process of virtual learning?
3: Um, for the for that one small class I took, there's definitely ways to connect with classmates because we it was a discussion oriented class that had I don't know, gay people in it. So by by the end of the class, I sort of knew where they were at, kind of. We, have a vague idea of what was going on in their lives um, but this was not something I felt like I needed that much um, <clears throat> could you with maybe... other classes oh. no, sorry
0: could you could you maybe expand on what you mean when you say that you you didn't
2: feel like you needed it
3: oh yeah this is like having my my roommates and then this other house of friends that I could come visit definitely just fulfilled my social needs for the vast majority of the year um and and so sort of i was definitely not in a place where i wanted to connect with my classmates or like know what's going on in their lives like super well um it was like a nice filtration of like new people to talk to from time to time especially in like the sort of the discussion aspects of the class the, these conversations were like fun and engaging um probably helped helped with the, the isolation uh but it didn't like f- fulfill any social need i think maybe it did i guess
0: yeah um i i mean kind of pivoting f- further on into the academic <laughs> timeline uh you graduated this year right yep um so how was graduating during COVID? Um and kind of graduating virtually? What was that like? Was it how you expected? In what ways was it different?
3: So I didn't we ended up not graduating virtually. Our our parents had to watch the the ceremony of, over the internet, but we we like sat in person, like distanced and masked and then we really got to walk walk through the gates and whatnot. Um, and I don't know, like, usually from what I know, the, the graduation has a lot of events surrounding it that are, like, very big and people-filled and really fun. Um, but I not really know what they were, so I didn't really know what I was missing out on. Um, and I think by the time we were graduating, we kind of weren't in the mood for a lot of, like, kind of celebration we just kind of wanted to like take our diplomas and go um so so that kind of you know was kind of what happened we had like a a nice ceremony and then we left and there was not much like pomp, pomp and circumstance surrounding it all
0: why why do you think um I was about to say, why do you think that is, but not about the pomp and <laughs> circumstance, but more so, why, why do you think people kind of didn't have a desire to have a big event? Why was there such an urge to get out, you know, fast and fast and easy?
3: I think by, by the end of distance learning, uh, people were kind of ready, to, especially seniors, I think were ready to just kind of move on to the next part of their lives. Um, because you know this part was fine and distance learning was kind of you know we we got the learning done but the kind of the the culture part of your college ended like a year ago um, so you were just kind of wrapping up the work and then and then, and then going. Um, one of my roommates kind of expressed this thought a couple of times that she didn't really feel like she was a student at brown anymore She just felt like she was doing some classes to kind of wrap it up but she didn't like feel like she even went to the school anymore it was definitely true because like i don't know we have a couple of times i walked through the campus so it was kind of already like you're returning to campus after graduate it was that, was that sort of feeling uh rather than like oh yeah like i'm still here this is this is what buildings look like
0: Why, why do you think that is Um, like, why was that feeling so prevalent among, I guess you, your roommate and maybe your classmates?
3: I think it's because the, like, apart from classes, the thing that made college, college, like classes and and sort of those close friends that we had, the things that made college, college just weren't happening. Um, They were very active in, in the band and the band had like practices over Zoom that were kind of just like, you know, for them, I imagine just sort of felt like calls with, with like a friend group that you don't really see that much anymore, like a weekly call to stay in touch more than like the sort of things they usually did. Um, you no, know, the building specifically, like because we were on distance learning and I personally didn't go to too many classes in person, uh, every time I walked through campus, it was, you know, it would. Do that maybe once every two weeks. Um, sometimes I could go months without sort of walking through campus. Uh, so when you did, you were like, "Oh wow, it's been it's been a while."
0: Yeah, no, I <laughs> I get it. That's um that's interesting. One one of the people I interviewed who uh is is a first year at McGill mentioned that um. It felt like while she was trying to to maintain her friendships that kind of her, her pre-existing friendships when she arrived at college, uh, it was the sense of like the the skeleton of a friendship. Do you feel as if when maybe you were walking through campus or kind of the, the experience you had with just the classes was like the skeleton of the college <laughs> experience? <laughs> or I don't know.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a lovely way to put it. It was like the skeleton of your college rather than your college itself. Um, because it just had the, you know, the backbone of the classes and, and not, not, not much else in terms of the other things that usually go on.
0: Yeah. So um, I mean, I guess I kind of assume that when you leave a campus, you have a certain attachment to the place, the people, the professors, but it sounds like that was very abruptly kind of cut off um, the, this kind of culture aspect that you're talking about. Do you feel like uh, as a recent graduate, you had the proper chance to say goodbye? Or was it, I don't
3: know? We had um, <clears throat> my, my, my friend's school you know, are more creative than me came up with a very nice way to say goodbye to our campus. Um, that I really appreciated. Where this is gonna sound very, very fratty, but it is what it is. But we have this like notion. We have this tall library and a challenge associated with it, where you take a shot on every floor of the library. Um, this is like a day-long procedure that that you do with friends before graduating. And so we just, and instead of doing it in the library, which was closed we compiled a list of 14 locations it's a 14 floor library and those locations had to have like some sort of significance to like our friend group um and then so we went and had a small drink at all of those locations we definitely didn't do 14 shots because we we aren't we aren't the heroes but um, (laughs) but it was really nice and you know it was a wonderful evening where we we got a little well very very drunk and then got to say goodbye to our campus uh, it was really nice so one one of the requirements was that one of us have had to had cried there um, so that automatically made, made the locations significant in some sort of way uh, there was a soccer field that we freshman year would just go to hang out on Like we'd sit in the soccer field that you know the teams would practice in the morning and I don't know look at the stars. I know other stars in Providence if I'm I'm honest but we would kind of like I don't know sit around and look at the sky and just hang out and so that was definitely a spot that we had to visit because that's where we spent a lot of our our time as freshmen. Uh, There was one location that we forgot to visit but but that was where we where we all lived as a friend group sophomore year, um, know, various fields. We walked by some some of our respective departments. Um, I, I enjoy some of those buildings. Uh, the soccer field was, was the one that was the most important thing. You know? that's,
0: that's lovely. I, I love the idea of like 14 metaphorical floors <laughs> of a library where you get very drunk. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think it was definitely better, better scenery than the, than the library. So you can, you can thank the pandemic for that.
0: And that's it for our final episode of the COVID Campus Chronicles broadcast on It Could All Be So Simple and Radio Moon. A huge thank you to interview subjects Ava and Grisha for agreeing to talk to me and being so open about their experiences. Today's episode featured audio samples from Vampire Weekend, Swing Lin, and Para All research, interviewing, and audio mixing done by me, Naomi Murney, with overview by Jack Solar, Madeline, and Maya Fortune. An additional thank you to the listeners and to all interview subjects. Zuzu, Grisha, Anna, Ava, Blair, Tio, and Marie. Finally, an immense thank you to Jack Solar, Spencer Gilley, and the rest of the wonderful team at CKUT 90.3 FM for allowing me to produce this show. It's been an absolute gift and distinctly wonderful experience to work with you folks. You are listening to CKUT 90.3 FM. It was my pleasure to host today. Thank you for tuning in.